has the call of an evangelist on his life, and he's a servant. He has the call of an evangelist on his life, and he is a servant. So without further ado, let me bring to this pulpit evangelist Richard Roll. Thank you, Aaron. Can we give it up for our youth leader and our youth team for putting this service together? I want to take this time to thank my pastor. I love him dearly, and I want to thank the church that has raised me. Um, I wouldn't be where I am right now without your prayers and everything that you guys taught me. And I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And if we could all stand in unity for the reading of the word. Now the Lord hath said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. You may be seated. The topic that I'm going to be speaking about today is sacrifice and my particular topic or my uh the name of my sermon is going to be your sacrifice requires i can't even remember the name of my sermon <laughs> I, but i should be able to see it i really can't remember the name of my sermon i'm so nervous <laughs> your sacrifice manifests your promise amen <laughs> god is good i probably should have put on the top of my page anyways <laughs> as we look at the life of Abraham, we understand that he is the father of faith. He moves from a position of comfort to follow a God that he, that he doesn't even know yet. And all for what? A promise? And if you take a look at the very first promise that was given to Abraham, it was that God was going to make him a great nation. And that meant that that meant a nation of people, descendants, but yet his wife was barren. But Abraham understood that if he could sacrifice his life for the will of God, God would honor his word. You see, throughout Abraham's entire life, yes, he was blessed, but it was because he held on to the promises of God and he continued to put God's will before his own. It is when that kind of sacrifice enters our life that God will move heaven and earth to answer your prayer. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 25 says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So either way, you're going to lose your life. <laughs> Sounds crazy. But if you want Jesus, you have to pick up your cross, and there is no room for those who will not pick up their cross and walk. Luke chapter 14, 27 through 28 says, And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So many times we listen to the lie we tell ourselves that God will accept any sacrifice, but this just isn't true. It is clear in his word that what God, requi what God requires of us, but yet we settle for less in order to remain comfortable. Meanwhile, the whole time our flesh is on a rampage, growing stronger, but where are the Abrahams that are willing to fight for their promise? 
Where are the people that are so hungry for God? Hallelujah. I'm sorry. I just feel that like we don't have any skin in the game, so this doesn't mean anything to us. We come to church and we go through the motions and we come and we get our emotional fix because, to be quite honest, that's what it is. But God is calling us to so much more than that. And if we could just get in prayer and understand what God wants for us, there's so many promises and things he has for each and every one in this room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) And then verse 28 says, For which of you intended to build a tower, saith not down first and counteth the cost, whether we have sufficient to finish it. Count the cost of your salvation. Count the cost of having a relationship with the Lord of Lords and ask yourself, what is it worth to you? <laughs> I have a story. Uh, I miss Joel, by the way. But we would, we would do these things at church camp or even here. Um, God would move so powerfully, and then we would sit down together, and we would talk about how God was dealing with us. And God spoke this particular to me. I, th- I believe Josh Herring was preaching, and he can get any crowd going, and he'll get you thinking crazy things. He'll, <laughs> he'll get you thinking that you have to sacrifice like, yourself, actually kill yourself. <laughs> but anyways, uh, God basically shared something with me, and I told Joel, and we had a discussion about it, and it basically what God said was, uh, when did following me not cost everything? I'm, I'm going to repeat that. God spoke to me, when did following me not cost everything? In other words, when did following God not cost me everything that I am? All my frustrations, all my pain. But then we give God these watered-down sacrifices and expect our great, mighty promise to rain down from heaven. Instead of picking up our crosses, we walk around with our wooden planks. (laughs) This is my plank. We walk around, and it looks good. You see? You see? I just fasted Instagram for a day. (laughs) You see? It's written on my plank. Can't you see my sacrifice? But you see, a plank isn't heavy. When you carry a cross, it takes everything. You can't just keep a plank in one hand. You can't just keep a cross in one hand. You got to carry a cross. It takes everything inside of you to carry a cross day after day, to sacrifice yourself day after day. It takes the cross. Hallelujah. That's the point to where God is trying to get us. But we keep our planks. You know why we keep our planks? Because we can fit all excuses in the other hand. (laughs) But hey, wait, I fasted Instagram for a day, so I'm good. (laughs) The price of walking with God is pricely. It's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you all-night prayer meetings. It's going to cost you some relationships. It's going to cost you heartache. But you've got a promise! And it requires a sacrifice. Oh, young people, please listen to me. This is something that we have missed out on. Our elders have set everything in place for us, but there is just some things that they cannot sacrifice for us. We have to put ourselves on the altar of sacrifice and burn this flesh off so God can use us. 
I want to talk to my young people. I want to talk to my youth group. We need to get our love for God back. The enemy does not care what it is you're going through. He will attack you. He will keep attacking you. And you will give in unless you have a relationship with God. He doesn't fight there. So you can't just walk around like nothing is happening. He does not fight there. He hits below the belt. You're depressed for a reason. Talk to God. You're hurting for a reason. Find your purpose. And elders, elders, we need an example. I understand you've been through the ups and downs with God and your altars may be built, but we need your help. I thank you for the path that you have built for us, but do not hide your altars of sacrifice from us, but instead give us an example and show us how to build our very own altars. And so, and so God requires the very thing he promised Abraham, Isaac. And listen to what Abraham actually tells Isaac. I find this very interesting. He's about to kill his son, by the way. He's, he's about to kill his son. There's no way around it. He's about to kill his son. In Genesis 22, verse 8, it says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they both... So they went, both of them, together. You see, Abraham was used to making these kinds of sacrifices. He gave up his entire life to follow God. It was nothing new to Abraham. But this is the thing that God is trying to teach us. He understood that God always manifests his promises through sacrifice. Abraham understood the cost of his sacrifice. Abraham was going to kill Isaac. Abraham thought, that God would have raised him from the dead if that's what it required. That takes a whole another level of faith, I'm telling you. Hebrews 11, verses, and, and this is in closing, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 26 says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called accounting that God was able to raise him even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both sons of Joseph and worship, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And this is, this is my favorite part. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches, than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the rep recompense of the reward in other words his promise all because abraham kept a hold of the promise and decided to sacrifice everything for god if we all could stand i i said all this to 
end with this. Your sacrifice will manifest your promise. In Jesus' name. Can we lift our hands to the Lord right now and receive that word? Mighty God, I, God, I want my sacrifice to be pleasing in your sight, Lord. God, whatever you want from me, Lord, won't you take it, God? Lord, I lay it on the altar, Lord, God, because I want everything you have for me, every promise, God. God, I want every single promise you have for me, mighty God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can we clap our hands one more time? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that word. Our, our next minister tonight uh, has been doing a, a great, great job. And you saw it uh, on stage tonight with our youth music. Uh, she's been doing a, a wonderful job leading that. Uh, also, she helps lead our campus ministry at Palm Beach State College. And she really does, guys. She's a hard worker. She's a really, really hard worker. And she has a heart for ministry. And she has a word for us tonight. Can we welcome Destiny Mata to this pulpit tonight? Good evening. <laughs> All right. So now when I heard the, what my topic was going to be about tonight, I was like, oh, that's, that's an interesting topic. We're going to be talking about sacrifices. We talked about before. Uh, when I heard this, I began to pray to God. I was like, God, what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> what do you want me to say about this? Um, he actually brought immediately as soon as I said that. He's just like, I got you. So he sends me a message, uh, something that uh, I've heard, like, talked about before, but a uh, very similar subject, not the same exact thing, but similar subject. Um, it was a message that I had applied in my own life, and I hope I can do the same for you tonight. <clears throat> Romans 12, 1 through 2. I'm going to wait till you guys get it. says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you represent your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. The title of my message tonight is going to be Choose Your Sacrifice. So, uh, worship. We're going to look at the word worship. Definition of worship uh, in the dictionary says it means to show reverence. Uh, it means to show adoration. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you guys may be seated. I forgot to say that. <laughs> um, we're talking about the word worship. It means to show reverence, shows adoration. Uh, some of the synonyms of that word can be to honor, to adore, praise, glorify, exalt. Um, worship is something that belongs to God. It belongs only to him. There's nobody else in this world that deserves our praise and is worthy to be praised. So why do we praise God? We praise him because he sacrificed himself onto the cross. He died for our sins. We worship God because he has been so good to us. Uh, we worship him because all he has done for us. Um, you go, so I'm pretty much talking about the sacrifice of praise. I haven't talked about it yet, but sacrifice of praise, that's my main topic. Um, <laughs> so like I said, we worship God for everything he's done for us. We worship for, for, because he's been so good. <laughs> You go find a $20 bill on the floor, praise Jesus. Found a $20, $20 on the ground. We, found a un we got an unex unexpected check in the mail. 
Jesus, thank you. <laughs> you got a promotion at work. Praise God. Praise God. You any of that stuff? You know, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You received three bills in the mail. Praise God. <laughs> you get a notification from your subscriptions all at the same time that money was taken from your account, your Netflix, your Hulu, whatever you're subscribed to. Praise Jesus. <laughs> you owe the bank for something that you can't seem to afford. You lost your job last week. It's not that easy to say praise God in these types of situations. Uh, you know, it's easy to praise God when things are happening to us. It's easy to praise God when the good things are happening to us, but it's, when it's convenient. But what about when it's inconvenient? Um, so I'm going to talk about the word inconvenient. The definition of that word, it actually means, um, it means involving little trouble or little difficulty. But the word inconvenient, the word inconvenient is described in the dictionary as trouble or difficulty caused to one's personal requirements or comfort. Meaning, if you look at it in a specific way, we have trouble or we find it difficulty in praising the Lord because we're in a situation that makes us uncomfortable. We have trouble praising God when something doesn't seem to meet our personal requirements. So we don't praise him at all. We kind of find ourselves in that situation where it's like, we don't want to say praise Jesus. Uh, it's hard to praise God when we're troubled. It's hard to praise God when things aren't going great. It's hard to praise God in the midst of all your tears when you're crying. Sometimes it's easier to say, God, why am I going through this? Instead of, I trust you. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. But if you think about it in a different way, like you're, you're not sacrificing your praise when things are going wrong in your life. You aren't trusting in God. You don't believe that God can and God will take you out of that situation. Therefore, you're implying that this situation that you're in is bigger than God. You can't offer up a sacrifice during the good and the bad, during the convenient and in the inconvenient. You are giving the devil permission to reign in your life. And you are giving him permission to stay in your life. If you aren't giving it to God, you're going to give it to somebody. You're sacrificing your soul in this situation. You are opening up yourself up not only to yeah, sacrificing your soul, but you are also opening yourself up to the spirit of fear. God didn't give us the spirit of fear. God gave us the spirit of... The, yeah, sorry, trembling over my words. God gave us power, love, and of a sound mind. The Bible says, cast your cares on him. The Bible says in Psalms 34, 1 through 4, <clears throat> it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not, not a few times. It says at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear therein and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. It says, bless the Lord at all times. It says at all times. Not when things are convenient. God's going to bring you out whatever the situation you're dealing with. He'll deliver you from every single trial, every tribulation. We're going to keep a high, we have to keep a high altitude of praise and being faithful in the midst of all of our troubles. That God is surely to deliver you. 
Praising God when it doesn't seem convenient is called a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Um, I want to read this next thing. Psalms 30, 1 through 3. I've got a lot of verses, sorry. Uh, Psalms 30, 1 through 3. It says, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought my soul up from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down into the pit. And I'm going to read the one next thing. Genesis 37, 23 through 28. Genesis 37, 23 and 28. I'm going to talk, some, talk about Joseph real quick. It says, and it came to the pass, and Joseph came unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph from his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. They took him down. They cast him into a pit. That pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to breed, to eat bread, to eat bread, <laughs> eat bread. <laughs> they sat down to eat bread. They lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came to Galilee with their camels, bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. Judah said unto his brethren, Judah said to his brethren, he said, what profit is it that we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let it, not our hand be on him, for he's our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. So they went, the Midianites and merchantmen, they drew, lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. Um, now Judah, the word Judah, if you look that up in the dictionary, the word means praise. Notice that Joseph was despised by his brothers, and he was stripped down and thrown into the pit. Joseph was in the lowest of the low. He had no water. He had nothing. He was completely helpless in that pit. Verse 26 says, Judah said unto his brethren, What profit it that we slay our brother and conceal his blood? It says that they all agreed, and they drew him out of the pit. Judah got Joseph out of the pit. Praise will bring you out of that pit. Praise will draw you out of that situation. Your praise will bring deliverance in your life. Jesus. When things go wrong in our praise, when, when things go wrong, we need to keep our praise. We need to keep praising God no matter what. We need to say, God, I don't know what's going to happen right now. God, regardless, I'm going to praise you. I may not be able to walk by myself right now, but I'm still going to praise you, Jesus. I may not know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I'm still going to praise you. I'm going to praise you no matter what, Jesus. I might not have a clear understanding of what you are doing in my life, God, but I'm still going to praise you. I'm not going to sacrifice my soul, allowing Satan to rule over my life. I'm going to sacrifice my praise and cast all my cares on Jesus. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to obey you no matter what the cost. I'm going to sacrifice my praise. Oh, Jesus. So at the end of the day, what do you want to sacrifice? Do you want to sacrifice your praise or do you want to sacrifice your soul? That's pretty much all I have to say today. Come on, can somebody stand to their feet and praise the Lord in this place? God, no matter what I may be going through, no matter what the circumstance may look like, God, I choose to praise you, Lord. Lord, the money might not be in the bank, God, but I choose to praise you, Lord. Come on, somebody lift up a sacrifice of praise in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Mm, praise the Lord. You know, the, the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And so it's a mystery to me when, when people are going through hard times, you know, if they would just lift up their hands, that he's going to inhabit the hard times. Come on, when you're in the prison, he's going to inhabit the prison, right? When you're in the mountaintop, he'll inhabit the mountaintop. Wherever I want to go, I want him to inhabit. Amen, amen, amen. Our next speaker tonight is Brother Robert James uh, I've been, I've been bugging Brother Robert to come out and play some basketball with us for a while, but he keeps telling me that he's just at, he's at home praying, he's at home fasting, waiting for tonight, and so we're, we're excited about it. Uh, Brother Robert is, again, you know, just like, just like all of these young ministers, the heart of a servant. You'll see him up here on the platform every Sunday, every Wednesday, setting up the drums, tearing down. He works with our church in the park, he works with our connects group, and he is, he is a preacher. So let's receive him to this pulpit today in the name of Jesus. Brother Robert James. Praise the Lord, everybody. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How many are glad to be in the house of God on tonight? Hallelujah. How many are glad to be in his presence on tonight? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank God for this opportunity. I thank God for just being here on tonight, you know. If it had not been for the Lord, I wouldn't be here tonight. I thank God, two greatest people in my life, my pastor and my wife. My pastor challenges me. It's a bittersweet relationship. Everybody always says it, but we know, we know what it's like. So pastor challenges me. He doesn't hand feed me. He doesn't give me anything. I have to get everything for myself. And my wife, same thing. It's like they're twins. So I just thank God for both of them because I, I really wouldn't be in church. I wouldn't be in the ministry. I wouldn't be doing anything for God. I'd be out there lost, dead, prison, somewhere, not here. <sighs> All right, now I got that. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I need you, God, to help me to deliver, O oh God, to your people that which you have given me to deliver, O oh God. Hide me behind the cross, O oh God. Help me, Father God, to speak what thus saith the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I want to speak on the topic, the greatest sacrifice, our greatest example. As we travel back into time and begin to peek into the mind of God, we find that this concept of sacrifice was not a foreign thing. Matter of fact, it has always been the first thing. Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. The word sacrifice in the Hebrew tongue means zabak, meaning to slaughter an animal, usually in sacrifice. It also means to kill, to offer, or to slay. Webster's Dictionary says, somebody say the world, defines three important terms. Sacrifice, surrender, and bow. Sacrifice, the destruction, which is to utterly destroy, causing to end or no longer exist, or the surrendering of something for the sake of someone or something else. Surrender, to give oneself up into the power of another. Somebody say to yield. Bow, the bending of the head or the body in reverence, submission, and agreement. This is your whole life. I'm going to go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse eight, verses 18 to 20. It says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. It says, but when the fullness of time was come, somebody say the fullness of time was come. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, God knew that Adam and Eve was going to sin in the garden way before they ever knew that they were going to sin. But he said, you know what? I'm going to set in motion a plan, a way of escape so that when they fall, they're going to have a way of salvation to come back to me. You see, not only did he set in motion a plan for them to escape, he said, you know what? I'm going to kick you out by my mercy and my grace so that you won't eat of the tree of life and live in that condition forever. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. We find in Isaiah chapter 53 what Jesus' sacrifice actually cost him. We sing the song, Jesus paid it all, but tell somebody, you have to pay something too. It says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. It says, therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and, with, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death. He gave it all. And he said, he was numbered with the transgressors, and to bear the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. You see, his sacrifice caused him to be beaten so bad that they were not even able to recognize who he was. It caused him to be hated. It caused him to be lied on. It caused him to be mocked. It caused him to be betrayed by his best friend. He went through all of this without uttering one word of complaint. Why? Because we messed up. Hallelujah. You see... If this would have happened to us, we would have already thrown in the chips. We would have cast in the towel. We would have said, you know what? These people don't even like me. Why am I even doing this? But Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. Somebody tell your neighbor there was a purpose in his sacrifice. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The purpose of his sacrifice was to redeem us back to himself, to impregnate us with purpose, and to live with us one day in eternity. Somebody say amen. amen. Luke chapter 16, verse 13, the Amplified Bible says, I don't know if he has an Amplified version over there, but I do this because I don't know, sometimes the King James Version, I don't know what it's saying, so I just let somebody else say it. <laughs> It says, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand devotedly by the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. 
That is, your earthly possessions or anything else you trust in and rely on instead of God. You see, Jesus spent his whole entire life, he gave up his time, he gave us his energy, his emotions, his gifts, all because so that we could be healed, so that we could be made whole, so that we could be delivered, so that we could be set free. He did all this for us. Hallelujah. Question, does Jesus command us to live a life of sacrifice? Yes. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It says, and he said unto he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This word deny literally means to live as if you don't exist, to disown or to abstain from. The new year is coming, up, coming upon us. It is not a time that we sit around and make up a list of goals that we probably never keep. I did it several years but God is looking for somebody in this place on tonight to sacrifice themselves, to give themselves wholly to him and see him do what he wants to do. A lot of times we come into the house of God, we want this, we want this ministry, we want that. I've sat over there for a long time wanting to get up here and say something and do something. But you know what? It's not about that. What it's really about is denying ourselves. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you must first take up your cross. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And as my brother said, this is not some pretty thing that you just carry around. You know what? We put it on the shelf one day, and we take it off the shelf the next day. This is something that you're going to have to live on the job. This is something that you're going to have to live in the grocery store. This is somewhere you're going to have to live everywhere you go. If you don't deny yourselves, you're never going to be a follower of Christ. That literally means a disciple, a student, somebody who's willing to sit at his feet and not look for a blessing all the time. Somebody say amen. God wants us to choose to give and for our giving to be mixed with sacrifice and with cheerfulness. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God wants us to give sacrificially of our time in studying his word, in prayer, in fasting and in reaching the loss, if we don't invest our time in the study of God's word, we'll suffer in three areas. One, we will not be a worker that's approved of God. Two, we will not have an answer concerning what we believe. And three, we will not deliver the truth accurately. There's so many preachers out there and teachers who are saying all kinds of stuff. I heard my boss say something yesterday. I don't always correct them. Matter of fact, I hardly ever correct them because God is working on him slowly. But he said, you know what? All you got to do is speak. If you speak it all week long, by the time you reach Friday, whatever you're speaking is going to come to pass. So I'm thinking in the back of my head, well, if that's the case, then why are we still here? I might as well speak. I'm going to be a millionaire. By the time I reach Friday, I'm going to be a millionaire. I have to come to work no more. But it just shows that people don't study the word of God. The Bible says to study to show thyself approved unto God. Rightly dividing the word of workmen need not be ashamed. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, which is humility, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A lot of times we're wondering how we're going to pay the bill, how we're going to get from point A to point B. God is saying, you know what? If you just call on me, I'll answer. Ask and you shall receive. Seeking you shall find, knock, and the door shall be open. But it's according to his will and his purpose and his timing. Somebody say amen. amen. I think I'm almost done. 
Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20 says, Go ye therefore into all, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. If we don't go, then who will? Hallelujah. We must be willing to sacrificially give of our finances. This is the hard part because the Bible says wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Mark chapter 12, verse 41, 41 through 44 says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast in money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury. For they did cast in their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. You see, this story was very interesting because one, Jesus was sitting right there watching everything that they were doing. He watched everybody that came up to this thing to give. He watched how much they were giving. He watched the attitude by which they were giving. He said, you know what? This poor woman gave more than everybody else. And if we're not careful, we'll come into the house of God. We'll say, you know what? I sing on the praise team. I give this amount of money. I gave a million dollars this week. I gave a thousand dollars last week. I do all these things. God must be pleased with me. But he said, you know what? This woman gave more than everybody else because she gave up all that she had. I looked up that word mites, two mites, and said that it was worth less than one penny. This woman was poor. She gave everything that she had. And that's what God is looking for on tonight. He's looking for somebody that's willing to give themselves to him completely without reservation. He says to love you, him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might, and with all of your strength. Somebody say amen. Coming to a close. Jesus wants us to give to the different ministries that have been established in this local assembly. He wants us to give to the poor. He wants us to give to our brothers and sisters in need. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. Somebody say amen. amen. You see, I wonder what would happen if we in this house on tonight will begin to lay aside every weight and every sin that this so easily besets us and begin to get rid of all the excuses why we can't, of how we've tried, of how it didn't work in the past, and literally give ourselves completely over to God and watch him do the impossible. God bless. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, take all of me, God. There, there's a special blessing in someone who says, God, everything I have is yours. My, my finances are yours. My time is yours. My everything, my extracurricular activities, my job, everything. When I wake up in the morning, God, I am yours. Wherever you want to lead me, Lord, God, won't you just have your way? Brother Robert, thank you for that word this morning or tonight. Hallelujah. I know you guys might be sad because we're coming to our last speaker, but we, we always... You know, we always save the best for last. <laughs> Brother Jesse has been working with our, our music, and he's been, he's been directing our music for years upon years. But uh, don't make the mistake. If you think he just plays the keyboard and, and sings, you've, you've, you've mistaken yourself. You played yourself. The, the truth is, 
that he's a minister. And if every time you see him stepping in this pulpit to lead worship, he always has a word and it's always impacting and he loves ministry. Can we clap our hands and welcome Brother Jesse Wilson to the pulpit? Praise God. I don't know who he's talking about, but that guy sounds pretty awesome. Why did you have me follow Robert? Come on now. Guy has so much energy. All right, you guys can be seated. Settle down, settle down. So the title of my, of my sermon, is my title going to go up? What does it say? The penultimate sacrifice. I'll explain. So all throughout scripture, we find men and women that attempted to walk uprightly and to fulfill all of the law, but not one can be looked at as an ultimate example of how to serve God, how to walk with God, how to please God. No one but Jesus. Adam was given dominion and authority, but he transgressed against God's word with Eve. Moses led Israel out of captivity, but he questioned and doubted himself. Abraham had faith, but he kept lying about his wife being his sister. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart, but he sinned with Bathsheba, among other things. Saul had all wisdom, but he wanted all the wives too. Everywhere you look in scripture, there are men and women pursuing perfection, but never being able to, to attain it, except for the man Christ Jesus. And that's why he was able to be given as the spotless sacrifice for our sins, the ultimate sacrifice. We know that the ultimate sacrifice and the greatest expression of love is that a man would lay down his own life for a friend. John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Not only can we call ourselves friends of God, but we can call ourselves and be recognized as children of God. Romans 8, verse 15 through 16. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So friendship is good. When you're a friend to the king, you have influence with the king, you have favor with the king. But when you're a child of the king, you're an heir to the kingdom. That means that, means that you have access to and are promised everything that the king has. But what good is the king's stuff if we don't know how to use it and how to properly maintain it? Have we spent enough time with the king? Have we learned enough from the king to progress his kingdom after his departure? See, Christ died. He overcame death. He redeemed us from our sins. And he, he died to release his power, the Holy Ghost, the comforter to his people. But this was only the beginning of salvation. We already know that you can have the Holy Ghost. You can be Holy Ghost filled. You can do wondrous works in his name and still not see him. Matthew 7, verse uh, 21 through 23. Uh, basically, it says that in the last days, there are going to be some people that come to God and say, Lord, 
haven't we prophesied? Haven't we done all of these wonderful things in your name? And the Lord's going to look at them and say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So with this, we understand that it's not only important to be born again of the water and the spirit, having faith in God and receiving the grace that God makes available through his death, but it's also crucial that we have relationship with God, that we know God and we're also known by God and that we learn how to please God. Scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without holiness, no man shall see him. Without his spirit, we are none of his. Without, no, without him knowing us and us knowing him, relationship, we work iniquity. Without charity, we are nothing and of no effect. This is why Jesus both gave the ultimate sacrifice for our sins and what I call the penultimate sacrifice. The word penultimate means before the last or next to the last. Basically, it's the, the sacrifice right before the end. <clears throat> I lost my spot. Give me a second. So Hebrews, Hebrews 2, verse 14, verse 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and, and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So the, the penultimate sacrifice was the life of Jesus Christ that was given for an example to the entire world. It was Jesus being the fulfillment of the law as a living, breathing demonstration of the word of God being made manifest in flesh. So his life and his words are how we are taught through grace how to live righteously. Titus, uh, Titus 2 verse 11 through 14. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I loved the, the grace series that Pastor did. Um, and he used this one a lot. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing, uh, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So his sacrifice was to redeem us, to clean us up, and to teach us how to be like him. Before Jesus, many sought to attain this, but all they had at that time was the law, and they lacked an understanding. But the living sacrifice of Jesus Christ brought about clarity and greater understanding of the word and the fulfillment of the law. So if you don't believe that the life of Jesus was also a sacrifice, then you're mistaking. We're talking about, we're talking about um, someone who was so full of wisdom, even as a child. There was a scripture that talks about him being in the, in the temple, ministering and conversing with grown men for three days while his parents were looking for him. Jesus was trying to be about his heavenly father's business even as a child. 
But in obedience, he submitted to his parents and went away with them. In Luke 2, 51, if you want to read that. So this is the same man who traveled around with 12 strangers, all of which weren't even loyal. No wife, no children, no girlfriend that we know of, nowhere to call home, uh, sleeping on the ground. Folks look all around looking for a reason to lock him up. His life constantly being threatened. You can't tell me that Jesus' life was not a sacrifice. He could have been anything he wanted. He had so much influence and authority and wisdom. But instead, he suffered and endured persecution for our sake, the living sacrifice. So we were subject to the law, but Jesus came to fulfill the law, demonstrating how to walk uprightly before God so that we can have relationship with him, do his will, and one day be called up to be with him. The same way that he came as a living sacrifice, scripture says that we too should present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. How many of us can liken our own lives, our responses, our attitudes, our perspectives, our behaviors to that of Christ? How many of us are actually holy, set apart for his purpose, and our ways acceptable to God? Isn't that our reasonable service? Isn't that the very least that we should offer? If not, then what are we doing to change that? Do we even believe that we can be like Christ, or are we resolute in our inadequacies? Some of us have subconsciously discounted ourselves from being able to change certain things about our lives, even though that's exactly what God wants to do. Some of us are simply unable to progress and unable to move forward because we haven't been applying the instruction and the demonstration of his life to ours. We want, we want the power that Jesus had without the consecration that Jesus had. We want the results without the sacrifice. We should be eating meat and experiencing the fullness of the promises of God, but we're still drinking milk, the milk of repentance and struggling with faith. Hebrews 5, verse 12 through 14. Got two more scriptures in, and we'll be done. For when, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need of one to teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For, for he is a babe, but strong meat belong to him or to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And the final scripture, Hebrews 6, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So Jesus, Jesus's living sacrifice was everything that he taught and demonstrated while he walked the earth. He didn't do all of that to show off or to make for good stories, but it was all done so that we 
can have someone to fashion our lives after. It was all done so that we can learn and apply what we heard and saw him do to our own lives. If the sanctuary of the Palm Beaches is ever going to be the sanctuary in the Palm Beaches, its members must become the type of people that Jesus came to this earth to create. People born of the water and of the spirit, people with a relationship with God who know and are known by him, people who walk by faith and not by sight, depending on God to meet their needs, people who present their bodies as living sacrifices, holy and set apart, people who are transformed by the renewing of their minds, people who yield their members to righteousness and put away their evil doings, people who love God, love others and demonstrate the fruit of the spirit daily, people who are strong and do great exploits because they know their God. We don't attain these things just by osmosis or by simply immersing ourselves in church culture, but we have to methodically and practically begin inserting these changes in our lives every day. We've got to sacrifice the familiar, sacrifice the ordinary, so that we can be and do the extraordinary as Christ did. The, the, ultimate, the ultimate sacrifice. We can't just go through the motions. If we want to change, if we want to be the people that, that God wants us to be and has called us to be, we've got to take the word and we've got to take our lives and we've got to be practical about it. We've got to go home and put the two together and figure out how we can change and tweak our ways every day, how we can change and tweak our attitudes every day to be more like Christ. That's why he came, he gave the example so that we could follow after him. That's it. I wonder if we could stand across this place. I believe the Lord was speaking to our hearts tonight. Come on, we've heard about the sacrifice of, of self and we, we've heard about the sacrifice of praise and of giving and, and then the example. And, and I believe that the Lord has been talking to us tonight and he's been, he's been speaking to us about things in our lives, things that he's been, he's been desiring of us, things that he's been asking for us to give him. And I wonder if we can make our way down to this altar to pray a prayer of dedication. And, and for some of us, it might be dedication, but for some of us, it might be rededication to some things that we've promised in the past, but we might have let them slip away. Some things that we've made a, a covenant with God. God, this is what I'm gonna give you. But in, in the passing of time, we've, we've let go of these promises. I wonder if we can make our way down to this altar church and rededicate ourselves. We can rededicate ourselves. God, I am fully yours, God. God, here I am, Lord. Take all my heart, God. All my soul, all my might, God. My time, my resources, God. God, I give it to you, Lord. God, because I want everything you have for me, God. God, I want to rededicate myself to the word, Lord. I want to rededicate myself in prayer. God, I want to rededicate myself to fasting, Lord. Lord, I've been holding on to things. Come on, church. Can we cry out to the Lord tonight? God, I'm yours, Lord. Whatever you want for me, God. God, whatever you want for me, Lord. There's no cost, Lord, that's too expensive, God.
Come on, church, won't you push a little further tonight? Come on, the Bible says that. The Bible says to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. Come on, God is looking for someone who will put themselves on the altar tonight. God, here I am, Lord, my body, Lord, my mind, God, it is yours. God, my heart, Lord, it's yours. God, I know, Lord, I've given myself over to things, Lord, that didn't please you, Lord. Lord, I've let things come in, Lord, to this temple, Lord, that weren't pleasing you, God. But, God, I'm asking, Lord, that you would rearrange it, Lord. Come on, I wonder if the ministry will begin to pray, begin to lay hands. God, we want you, Lord, to have your way in this church, Lord. God, we know, Lord, that a powerful church is a repentant church. Come on, and we know, Lord, that, the, that the, there's power in sacrifice. Make us like you, Lord. God, make us holy as you are holy. Make us righteous as you are righteous, God. I'm gonna follow you. 